welcome back to PCI Pals podcast channel, Secure Payments. Today's episode is taken from Calabrio's Smarter Working podcast, where PCI Pals Chief Revenue Officer Darren Gill was recently invited to discuss the common misconceptions surrounding PCI compliance and how it works, before offering advice on how businesses can secure their card payments. Welcome to Working Smarter, presented by Calabrio, where we discuss contact center industry trends and best practices, as well as sharing success stories and pain points with some of the most innovative professionals in the industry. We're glad you're joining us to learn and grow together in order to provide world-class customer service to each and every one of our clients. My name is Dave Hookstra, product evangelist for Calabrio, and my guest today is Darren Gill. Darren is the Chief Revenue Officer for PCI Pal, and we are really thrilled to have him as part of the podcast today. Thanks for joining us today, Darren. How are things? Great. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, we are very excited because one of the things that we have noticed is that there seems to be a strong misunderstanding or at least misinformation about how PCI works. Now, I'm going to personally admit that I am a little bit of a uh, PCI noob, as it were, Um, but that's why we've brought you on today to kind of uh, help us educate and learn more about what PCI is and why anyone should care. So uh, I'd say let's let's start off a little bit. uh, Tell us a little bit about what you do for PCI Pal? Sure. So I'm uh, I'm the uh, I'm the Chief Revenue Officer for PCI Pal. I'm responsible primarily for uh, sales and pre-sales uh, globally for the organization. And you know, PCI Pal provides uh, secure payment solutions to uh, uh, particularly in the context of contact center to help provide an overall better customer experience, but also ensure that data is uh, secure. So we've already thrown around the acronym PCI quite a bit, and uh, maybe we should take a step back and talk about just for a minute, what exactly is PCI and what does PCI compliance mean? And maybe uh, a little bit of the history too. So I'm sure you've probably given this spiel a number of times before. So let's let's start at the beginning. What is PCI and uh, where did it come from? Definitely. So, uh, so first, we'll address the uh, the acronyms. Uh, so, PCI DSS uh, is is the Payment Card Industry Data Security Standards. And uh, back in two thousand seven, the major credit card vendors uh, got together in, in almost a self governing fashion, and they came up with uh, some some uh, guidelines. Uh, and, and that is one of the points of confusion. They're guidelines, not law. It's guidelines as to how credit card information uh, should be handled. And uh, again, the, the original guidelines were published in 2007, and the, there's been very various updates uh, since. Uh, it really lays out, you know, uh, 12 key uh, areas ar- ar- around which, um, you know, credit card information should be uh, treated or handled. And uh, one of the big areas uh, that continues to be a bit of an issue for organizations is taking payments by phone. Right. So, you know, the the kind of classic, uh, can you read your credit card number to me over the phone and I'm going to input it for you, that kind of thing? Correct. Yeah. And there's a lot of confusion around that today in that um, in order to address the issue of, of handling credit card information securely, uh, the, over the years, there have been a number of what we call compensating controls that have come about. And one of the more popular compensating controls is uh, what's called uh, uh, pause resume, uh, also referred to sometimes as secure pause. 
it's a it's a feature within the uh, within the the telephone system or the contact center platform that allows an agent to pause call recording when that credit card information is is taken. The reason that's important is that one of the guiding principles under PCI DSS is that credit card information should not be stored in any way, shape, or form by a merchant. Uh, And obviously, if you're recording calls and the agents are taking credit card information, then that credit card information uh, may find its way into the recorded call database, which could be a uh, a serious point of concern, uh, potential uh, point of data breach, in fact. So best practice is not to store that information. In order to do that, the, uh, the, the, the best that many organizations have been able to do up, up to this point is to uh, have, a, in some respects, a manual pause-resume process where the agent will pause the call, uh, recording of the call, in order to take that credit card information. The, the challenge, though, is that doesn't translate into compliance under the current PCI DSS guidelines. The reason it doesn't is because the agent, in, in most cases, still hears that credit card information. Um, that credit card information is also still hitting the network. Right. And so, so what I'm hearing you say is that back when I was first starting to, uh, take calls in the call center, the piece of paper that I wrote down everyone's credit card number on and threw away in the trash after a week was probably not PCI compliant, correct? Definitely not. And that, and, <laughs> and they'd be surprised how many organizations we find are still doing that today. Uh, and, and it, it, it's just natural for an agent in order to, you know, to move quickly to want to jot down that information down on a post-it note or on a scratch pad. And uh, the, the other risk, though, is that in, in, in a contact center, particularly some of these larger environments, is that you may occasionally have a bad actor as well. And that represents a security concern or risk in that they might be, uh, you know, uh, maliciously jotting this information down and then, you know, taking it home or, or selling it. For that matter, on the on the uh, on the on the dark web, in order to in order to uh, uh, you know uh, do something that's uh, that's not not compliant or not appropriate. So yeah, it's it's definitely a security risk, and uh, it's been less of an issue in many of these managed or supervised contact centers. They may have cameras. You may have a supervisor or manager that's walking the floor. But uh, two years ago, enter pandemic, and what happened? Uh, because of social distancing and other requirements, these contact centers now immediately, almost overnight, became work from home. And that has introduced another major security concern for a lot of these organizations. Yeah. And just, I mean, I don't know if you have any data on how many credit card transactions actually happen in the contact center industry, but the sheer probability of bad actors has to be higher than than a, negl- a, a negligible amount, right? Uh, you've got you've got the agents themselves. And if in your scenario, you're talking about if them having to manually push a button to record, but they can still hear, um, I mean, that... Y- it doesn't take a big logical leap to know that that something's probably happening somewhere. But then you also have um, all of the recordings that are available if they're not doing the pause and resume. Um, you have the you know the, the information being entered into various billing systems and key loggers and all kinds of number of is- potential issues that come across with that. And so, what I, you and I talked about something that I kind of want to make sure we we is that a lot of organizations think that they're PCI compliant, but in likelihood are not. Is that correct? Yeah, that, that's correct. So 
Well, the, the, the learning over the last few years, and in fact, there's been some clarifications on this from the uh, from the council from uh, in, in the PCI DSS guidelines. In the last few years, the clarification is that the best practice is to fully descope, as we refer to it. And by that, we mean that you should uh, implement a solution whereby uh, not only does the information not find its way into the recorded call database, but your agent doesn't hear the credit card information. And for that matter, the credit card information never even hits your network. If it doesn't hit your network, then it's a whole lot easier to, to uh, you know, pass a self-audit and confirm that you're fully compliant because th there's no exposure whatsoever. And that's actually the best practice. Got it. Okay. So I think we're going to talk about that in a little bit of exactly how we accomplish that. But I'm interested to know, um, for an organization that maybe is not hitting that compliance recommendation as well as they should, um, what kind of potential liability does a does an organization face on being able to hit that compliance? Yeah, good, good question. Yeah, there, there are a number of a number of uh, outcomes, potentially. Um, one is uh, the, the cost for them to become compliant internally. It's it's significant. It's not a not a uh, not a light undertaking. And and the larger the organization, the more exposure there is, the 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 greater the cost. Um, if they are not compliant, then the potential outcomes are that they could uh, be fined. Uh, the um, uh, the credit card companies will fine organizations that are not compliant. Um, the other issue is that they could see, if they're a repeated offender, they could see an adjustment to the rates that they pay. Mm -hmm. So these credit card uh, you know, the, the processors, uh, they, they charge fees, as you know, and those rates, you may get a less favorable rate or, or the rate may shift north if you're considered uh, a greater risk as an organization. So you A credit score for credit, if you would. Yeah, exactly. Right? So, so if you uh, if, if your risk profile, if you if, if, as an organization is such that, you know, you're, you're a repeat offender or you're not compliant, then that could certainly affect uh, your rate. Um, but I'll tell you, the biggest risk of all uh, is is the impact that it could potentially have on your brand your business if in fact there were a breach. So the best thing to do is just to head it off at the pass and ensure that you're compliant and, and put appropriate, you know, appropriate uh, take appropriate measures and put, put systems in place so that you can ensure and be confident that you're compliant and not put your brand or company at risk. And we've all seen the headlines, uh, particularly coming out of uh, Europe right now um, in, in the EU, they do have uh, much more strict data privacy laws, uh, GDPR, which uh, some may have heard referenced. Uh, GDPR is, a, um, is an overall set of data, uh, more comprehensive set of data privacy laws that are in effect in the EU. And we've seen headlines, uh, data breaches at major airlines or data breaches at, at retailers, and they've been fined in the order of tens of millions of dollars in some cases because of these data breaches. So, you know, the best, best, Best remedy to that is to completely avoid that uh, in the first place and de-scope and ensure that your business is not at risk. And, and when we say data breach, uh, what, what kind of range are we talking about? I mean, obviously, we've got the, you know, maybe the one individual agent who's taking down a credit card and then ordering themselves a PlayStation 5 or something like that and hoping to get away with it. But we're probably talking about lo much larger. What, what do those data breaches look like for those organizations that are kind of putting themselves in danger? Yeah, typically it, it involves... Uh, in many cases, uh, a situation where 
credit card information has been stored at, at a wholesale level by that mm-hmm. merchant. And that's why the, the recorded call database is such a concern. And we, we talk to companies all day long that they have, uh, you know, they have a um, uh, re- recordings that go back, you know, 10 years or more, and, and they, they, they've kept these files. And that, that, <laughs> that, that's a major, major point of risk. Uh, any database that might contain PII type data is, is of concern. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it is an issue. It's becoming less of a problem as companies learn to become compliant, but the, the, there's still some legacy systems and infrastructure out there that, that puts organizations at risk. So what would you suggest? Uh, do you, um, do you suggest audits? Do you suggest a, a review of your, of the policies, uh, before kind of taking on this PCI journey to understand where a company might be? Yeah, a lot, a lot of companies do employ what's called a QSA, which is an independent auditor that comes in and will will evaluate uh, will evaluate you know um, PCI DSS as as one of the facets of being being compliant. And in fact, usually it's when those QSAs flag the issue or concern, particularly in the in the in the, in the, in the context of the contact center and delivering customer service. It's usually a QSA, a QSA that will flag that issue. And uh, that, that, that's when we often get a call. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah, that's, 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 a good, uh, that's a good jump for uh, PCI Pal there. So let's, let's kind of paint a scenario here uh, from an organization that maybe has completed this QSA and they realize there are some data breaches. Um, I want you to talk a little bit about what a company would kind of traditionally up to pre-PCI Pal would take. Um, and I know we've talked a little bit about PC, uh, pause and resume, but I, I think, uh, you know, for maybe our listeners who haven't really started that journey, what does the start of that journey look like? And then at what point does PCI pal, uh, typically come into the conversation? Yeah. Well, the key is not, not, not to be misled by, by a fairly standard feature in a lot of these CX platforms being pause resume, because that, that again, that's what, we, what we've learned, uh, particularly over the last few years is, is that that's not good enough. And it's easy to kind of be trapped a bit by the fact that, well, we're doing something and, and, you know, at least we're, uh, at least we're not storing the credit card information in our recorded call database. But again, you've got uh, potential points of breach and, and security concerns if you have agents that are hearing that information. Um, the other thing that um, uh, that you need to be careful about, we, we see other compensating controls. For example, uh, customers will, will use uh, a clean room, what we call a clean room approach or strategy, which is where when a payment needs to be taken, they'll actually transfer the call to a more secure team that might be locked down a bit more in order to take payment and, and process it. So we see strategies like that. Um, so, so again, those, th- those all fall into the category of what we call compensating controls. Um, another thing we do see often is the concept of transferring a caller when a payment needs to be taken, transferring a caller to IVR. And, and there, are, there are secure IVR solutions. In fact, we, we provide those solutions as well. Um, having said that, um, there, 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 is, there is limited applicability of, of, of a secure IVR solution when you're wanting to do automation. The idea of taking a live caller and actually having to transfer them to uh, a secure IVR in order, in order to take payment 
is typically not the best overall customer experience. I, I was thinking that myself. I haven't done a lot of credit card payments online uh, or over the phone in a while, but uh, the la- I, I would honestly, as a customer, I would rather just read my credit card number over to them and, and, and take the risk of it getting stolen than being transferred to another department or through a, through a complicated uh, IVR system where I have to enter in numbers and things like that. So I, I agree with you, but go on. Yeah, so, so the key really um, in, in, in that journey and, and as, as customers look at uh, becoming compliant, uh, and again, with the look to, to full D-scope, the, the best solution is, is to keep customer experience top of mind. That's important to any contact center organization. Uh, and then when you look at taking payments in the contact center, uh, more broadly, CX payments, as we refer to it, then what we're looking to do is is do that in a, secu- a secure and compliant manner, but but to the best of our ability, keep the agent and the caller connected so that mm-hmm. it's a, it's a, a guided process, right? Which, which is much, much more positive, much better. Um, and, you know, quite frankly, if you're, if it's, if it's a matter of revenue, uh, you also ensure that, you know, the payments taken, the, the, the credit card is good, that it goes through. And then, then only, then and only then do you, uh, do you let the customer off the hook, right? So there's some added value in, in that, and that being more of a, a guided uh, guided process. Uh, you'll end up having uh, higher close rates if you're concerned about you know revenue generation across a team, for example, uh, and you're providing an overall better customer experience. So the key, the, the way to do that is to um, implement a secure payment solution that will allow that full de-scope to occur. And, um, and the, the best way to do that is to implement a, a lightweight cloud-based service that would layer in on top of the, and integrate to the, layer in on top of and integrate to the contact center platform that's being used today. And that would allow the agent to say to a caller, um, okay, Mr. Customer, using the touchtone phone, please enter in your credit card information. And they actually use the touchtone phone then to enter their credit card details and any other, any other PII data for that matter. So if you're, if, if it's a matter of giving uh, out a social security number, for example, that can mm-hmm. be secured because that's considered PII data and it's sensitive information. So you can use the touchtone phone to input um, input that information, and when that um, when that happens or occurs, the other key thing is that the uh, the, the touchtones get masked. Um, the agent can hear that those uh, that those touchtones are occurring, but can't interpret those in any way, shape, or form, or those can't be recorded in any fa- form or fashion. It's just, they're just flat tones, and then at that point. Um, also providing uh, the agent at the desktop with with real-time feedback as to the fact that the credit card information is being entered. And then once uh, everything is confirmed, uh, w- including uh, lung check to make sure the credit card is good, uh, verifying your know, date and other type uh, format data, then clicking submit, processing the payment right there on the spot. Now, the whole time, the agent and the caller remain connected. So it's a, again. So there's no gap in the recording. There's no pause no. where an agent might say something that you have no record of, or the customer says something you have no record of. It's completely seamless from the recording perspective. That's correct. So you don't end up with uh, potentially like two different uh, recorded call segments. There's no need to implement a pause resume uh, approach. That that recorded call you know remains intact. And there's no need to uh, there's no need to even use pause resume at that point. So you're able to evaluate uh, actually the um, the overall experience when the payment's being taken as well. Which you know before, if you hit pause resume, 
you know, there could have been some level of interaction that's not captured there in the, in the, uh, in the recording recording. So, so I think for if I can gather what you're saying, that the traditional method of PCI compliance, the pause and resume, whether it's manually triggered by the agent or it's uh, done through some sort of automation where you enter a particular field on your billing system and it triggers the system to pause, while those can be effective, they're not foolproof and it doesn't get you all the way to what is recommended to be PCI compliance. But with the way that uh, PCI PAL, the cloud-based layer, uh, provides that, in a sense, we, can we say that it's foolproof? Can yeah. we go so far as to say that there is the, the, it completely removes liability of data security? Yeah, definitely. And, and the reason is, for that is that uh, a solution, uh, a secure payment solution like PCI PAL ensures that that credit card information in no way, shape, or form is hitting the customer's environment, the network. Uh, it's not, you're not, not going to show up in a recorded call database, but for that matter, it's not even hitting the network. So uh, in, in many cases, uh, this allows the customer to qualify for a simpler level of audit and self-certification as well. Um, what, what, what a company like ours would provide to the customer is what we call an attestation of compliance. And by virtue of that AOC, then that's typically the uh, the get out of jail card, if you will, with the QSA uh, when, when these audits are being conducted and it makes life a whole lot simpler. So your PCI and your QSA go to the, well, sorry, what was the AOC? And we'll, we'll make sure that uh, we, we cover all that in the, uh, in the data dictionary of today's podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the AOC is the attestation of compliance and it's, it's a document, a uh, fairly simple document that, um, that, that, uh, basically, it's, it's it's the service provider's attestation of being fully compliant, and by virtue of using that service service, then the customer is considered fully compliant when, when an audit's being conducted. Any any great success stories from a customer, maybe around an ROI or some you know a, a good story there of a customer that that really recognized the potential of what you guys can provide. Oh yeah, we, we have a number of uh, of case studies, and, and it depends on the uh, the segment, the the industry segments where uh, we see the most need. Typically, are uh, like retail, uh, travel and leisure, utilities, uh, but we also do we get involved in opportunities with government, uh, healthcare, insurance. So uh, we have a number of uh, of case studies that we published that highlight uh, you know the the benefits of a, of a secure payment solution. The key is, though, that uh, from an ROI point of view, that these organizations can save an exhaustive amount of uh, cycles and effort around trying to be compliant themselves because it's not easy. In fact, there's a um, there was a, uh, a white paper uh, published by Verizon a few years back that highlighted the fact that 50 over 55 percent of organizations that are, in fact, attain full PCI compliance in the first year uh, fail to be compliant by the second year. It's, it's, it's a major undertaking and it's very difficult to- Right, because it's just basically a constant uh, struggle to stay on top of the process, Correct. right? It's yep. just, you know, right. oh, well, we, 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 we tweaked our IVR, we tweaked, uh, we tweaked our billing system, uh, let's bring in 10 IT resources to make sure that the code is defined appropriately. But whereas you guys come in and just layer that in as, now how does, how does, the, uh, how does the agent trigger the PCI PAL process during the call? 
Good, good question. So uh, typically when, um, let's say it could be uh, desktop based with an integration. So let's say they're using Salesforce. They can, uh, when they get to the point where they're ready to take a payment, they click a button. And then once they do, the call is secured. And that's a very good point, Dave, because there are different approaches out there. But one of the one of the key things that, that uh, we do for most of our integrations is that um, for the PCI PAL solution, we're only a part of the call when the payment is being taken. Uh, otherwise, you know, there's no need for us to be a part of the call. So by by clicking that button, that sends a message to uh, PCI PAL in the cloud that oh, we need to secure this call and ensure that a payment can be made securely. And then when the payment's approved and closed out, the uh, agent acknowledges it on the desktop, and then um, then we're no longer part of the call. So that that's what makes the solution solution relatively lightweight as well. Interesting. And, you know, I, I would sure that the agent experience is probably a lot easier too. no more uh, having to, did, did you say 39 or 35, right? And, uh, no, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of verification steps, it probably makes the process a lot cleaner for the agent as well, I would imagine. Yep, definitely. So uh, the final question I kind of had for you is one of the interesting topics we kind of uh, chatted about the ability for companies to avoid potential legislation that might be coming up. We talked a little bit about GDPR, but that can't be the only legislation that's either in place or being planned around the you know, protecting PII information. Any insight into maybe what's upcoming and why somebody might want to make the call sooner rather than later? Yeah. So on the uh, on the legal landscape, um, you're right. Uh, uh, GDPR uh, only governs uh, EU uh, organizations, although it does uh, it does have pretty far reach in that it, it, it also applies to any EU citizens. Now, the enforceability of that is is questionable, of course, in, in, in other other regions and markets. But what we find is that companies, particularly global companies, have kind of adopted GDPR as kind of a least common denominator, and they they um, they they do their best to um, to be compliant under GDPR. And if they adopt that, then they know that they're good pretty much in any, any other market that they serve. Um, now, the um, there are other data privacy laws in other regions. So, for example, uh, Canada they have data privacy laws at the national level that are uh, fairly robust. Um, and here in the U.S., we do have some fragmented national laws, but not to the uh, over overarching uh, and holistic approach that we've seen the EU take with GDPR. And we expect that that will be coming. Uh, in the meantime, though, uh, California have enacted uh, CCPA, which is a um, which is a data privacy set of data privacy laws uh, specific to the uh, state of California. Um, and then we've also seen other states, uh, more recently, uh, Colorado and Virginia have, uh, for example, enacted similar uh, legislation that will be taking effect here soon. So we expect that we'll continue to see states adopting uh, more uh, rigorous data privacy laws, and then uh, that will likely lead up to national legislation at some point. Yep, very likely. And so I think the uh, the takeaway from, uh, from this is that uh, don't wait until it's too late to start to address some of these issues. And I think that's exactly what PCI PAL has set out to do is to allow you to not have to think so much about your data security uh, process and, and kind of make sure that 
the customer experience is managed, but also the data privacy side is managed as well. And I think, I think this has been really informative for a lot of people. Um, and so I guess the, the final question for you, Darren, is uh, how, would, how would someone reach out to, uh, to PCI PAL and, and uh, maybe ask some questions and maybe set up a demo? Sure. Well, we would invite, uh, invite uh, listeners to, uh, to our website, uh, PCIPAL.com. Uh, we have a lot of good information. Uh, we have white papers uh, that are there that you can uh, download on the topic. And then uh, those case studies that I mentioned as well. So depending on your industry segment or vertical, you can uh, you can probably get a, a more relevant case study that will, will give you an example of a uh, similar organization that has, uh, has implemented this type of solution. And then uh, the other key is to... Uh, to reach out to our partners. Uh, we're a partner first organization. Uh, Calabrio is, is a key partner. So uh, for those listeners that uh, that use Calabrio, certainly you know reach out to your uh, Calabrio representative and, and be sure to inquire, ask about PCI PAL, and uh, we'll be happy to help. That's great. Yeah. And, you know, kind of the, the lead to this is that if you are taking any sort of payment over the phone, you probably need to, at a very minimum, ask some questions here because make sure that you've, uh, you've at least gone through the, the appropriate question process to do this. Well, I certainly do really appreciate you spending some time with us, Darren. It's been very informative and I learned quite a bit. Uh, this is not my area of expertise, so which is really fantastic that we, we have have somebody on that can give a little bit of insight into new areas. And I think our, our listeners are going to be really uh, excited to hear some of the information that you provided. So I'll give you final word, anything you want to, you, you want to tell the masses before we get on out of here? No, I, I just uh, appreciate everyone's uh, time today and uh, look forward to helping. And uh, remember uh, the most important thing is to be respectful and mindful of your customers data. That's, that's uh, really the, uh, the most important uh most important element fantastic well thank you darren and to uh, those of you listening uh, as always i appreciate you giving us a little bit of your time during the day hopefully you found today's discussion informative and we certainly uh, want you to reach out to pci pal if there's anything they can potentially provide for you on your pci journey as always from calabria we appreciate all the time and energy that you guys give to us and we look forward to speaking you to speaking to you guys really soon so everybody have a great day and we will see you on the next episode Thanks from Calabrio and PCI Pal. Bye, everybody.